Amen. That's good. Hmm. Weak made strong. I like that. I like that. Amen. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like to invite you to turn with me to the book of James and to the fourth chapter. James chapter 4, and I want to speak to you this morning about living the will of God, living the will of God. And James is full of practical things for us as Christians, practical commands. There are things here that you can, just a casual reading of James will give you some specific areas, some specific things that you can do in order to walk with God, to 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 do it the way that He has said we should. And, and so, um, you know, that's all good. But there's a recurring theme that uh, flows throughout the book of James. There's a, there's a thought that keeps coming back to the surface from time to time. And it is this, that God hates pride. God hates pride. He hates it. I mean, you know, there are things you hate. They're just distasteful to you. Maybe it's liver and onions. See, somebody else, they like it. But here's one that God hates. And you see, that goes far beyond my opinion or yours. And that establishes a standard and a, and a, a line. That establishes a line that, that we need to hold on to. That, that establishes uh, the truth that we need to also adopt. Because the things that God hates and despises, we ought to also hate. I mean, I'm talking about sin. I'm not talking about people. Okay? I'm talking about sin. Um, well, at the same time, God delights in those who humble themselves. He loves it when we humble ourselves. When we humble ourselves and admit that we're not everything that we need to be. And we need His help. And so, uh, that recurs in some different areas and some different ways in the book of James. But this morning, you know, um, I want us to, to think about what James tells to us about living in the will of God. Living uh, in the will of God. Choosing to live in the will of God. And walking in the will of God. You know, it's a daily thing. It's not a one-time thing. It's not a one-time thing, James, where we say, I want to do the will of God. No, it's, it's daily. It happens all the time. We're to, we're to consistently do this. Um, in fact, I was reading earlier um, in the Psalms, and I won't ask you to turn there, but... In uh, Psalm 40 and verse 8, David says, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I think we would all say we want to do God's will. But yet we have some issues and we have some problems with that. And part of that, part of the problem we have with it is that we, we in some way or in some measure, we want to be God in our life. 
We want to call the shots. We want to have the say. We want to be the one who's, who is uh, in control or is in charge. And that, you know, that is not what God wants for us. And, and He knows it's not best for us. So let's look together in James chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. If you found your place, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word? Now, somebody asked me this past week, said, well, uh, they didn't say pastor, they actually said dad, but anyway, uh, you know, I won't tell you who, you know, anybody who said this, but they said, well, why don't we stand for all scriptures that are read? Not, you know, we, we stand for the one main text that we read, but other scriptures we read, we don't stand for. And so, um, well, we stand in honor of the Word of God. And, uh, you know, we don't stand legalistically because we have to, but because we want to honor the Word of God to us. And uh, so, if, if you're convicted in your spirit to stand when we read other scriptures, feel free, okay? I'll just give you that. Um, but I probably won't ask you to uh, other than this, this one here. All right, chapter 4 and verse 13. Go to now, ye that say... Today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Let's pray together. Father, we bow in your holy presence. We're grateful today for the Word of God. Lord, I pray today that the Word would live in our hearts and minds as the Spirit of God takes it and just brings it to life. I pray You'll speak to us. Father, I pray we'll experience You this morning. God, I pray that no matter what we expected or what we thought coming in, Lord, I pray You'll speak and You'll work and draw us to Yourself. And Lord, it's not that we deserve it. It's not that we've been so good. Lord, it's just that we need You. And God, we humbly offer ourselves to You this morning. We are Your children. And we need Your presence. We need Your leadership. We need Your guidance. We need You to speak to us this morning. And Father, if there's even one today who doesn't have a, a genuine relationship with You, Father, I pray that You will draw them to Yourself this morning and speak to their heart and help them to trust in You and be saved. And Father, we just give You the praise today. We glorify and honor Your name. We lift You up above all others, and we thank You. Thank You so much for all You've done in our lives. Now, Lord, bless Your Word. Bless this time. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. Well, James begins this part of the passage, and, and of course, we're just coming out of this uh, message from him on evil speaking, uh, speaking against your brother, speaking against people. Um, and and what, a, what a horrible sin when we slander one of 
our brothers or our sisters when we speak against them. But, but now, he says, go to now. And the expression is sort of, it's sort of like saying, today we might say, oh, come on now. It's both an attention getter. It's both uh, something designed to draw our attention, but it's also a little bit of a, um, a reality check. It's a little bit of uh, really, you know, it's a really, it's it's a little bit of, of trying to to help us to understand the truth here. And so he says, um, "Go to now, um, ye that say." And so. Um, Here's the problem. Um, and he surfaces this for us. Because he gives the example. He says, there are those who will say, well, uh, let's go to uh, Fort Smith. And we're going to put in a business there. And over the next year, we're going to, you know, we're going to have this great business. And we're going to make money. And by the way, the thought process there is not a wrong one or an evil one. There's nothing sinful about making money. The Bible's not speaking to that. There's another issue here. And it's, it's one that's very, very important. Um, it is that, that as Christians, it's possible for us to live as though we were atheists. You say, what? How can that be? Well, some have called it practical atheism. And practical atheism is, is someone who says, Oh, I believe in God, but yet who lives their life as though there was no God. See what I'm saying? It's someone who claims to believe in God, says they believe in God, but God really makes very little difference in the way they live, the way they practice their faith, the way they uh, do business, the way they do their work, uh, the way they go about life, their family life. God is nominally present, if at all. So, you know, you've you got an issue there because, um, you know, first thing is you're going to ask, well, are these folks really saved? And you probably will ask that until you see yourself in this passage. You'll probably be fine, you know, pointing your finger at somebody else until suddenly you realize the Spirit of God is pointing His finger at you. And I told Manuel, Manuel told me this morning, he said, don't point your finger right at me again this week, preacher. <clears throat> and so, I told him, I know, I know. And... Uh, but you know what the Bible says, the wicked flee when no man pursues, uh, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. So, uh, so I told him this morning, I will point with all, uh, because this way uh, everybody will somehow be included. And, uh, you, know, you know, we claim to believe in God. We claim to know Him. And, and folks... If you're a child of God, if you've been born of the Spirit, if you've been born again, then that's the most important thing in your life. And I, I realize there's other things that are important in life. There are other things that are, you know, very important. But yet, that is the single most important factor in your life. 
And it ought to make a difference in your life. It ought to touch every area of your life. And if it doesn't, there's something wrong. There's a disconnect in there somewhere. And so, uh, we want to, we want to, to come to God and we want to live our life as though there is a God. And not just to, you know, remember and say, oh, and, uh, Lord, bless all our plans in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, and forgive us all our sins. And, you know, get all those things in there that we're supposed to get. Because sometimes that's what we're doing. We're making our plans. We're, we're putting together what we want to do. And then we're asking God to place His blessing on our plans. And yet the biblical uh, teaching is that Jesus Christ is not here as our advisor. He is not come to to, uh, be our facilitator or our guide. He's come to be our Lord. He's come to be the boss of our lives. And if Jesus isn't setting the tone of your life of the words that flow from your mouth. Haven't we heard that in James? If Jesus is not the one who is setting the direction of your life, who is, is guiding you in decision making. I mean, look, we're all making decisions. And there's some decisions that, you know, I don't think you ought to have to just stop and pray about, you know? I mean, you know, if your wife says, do you want ice cream with your homemade blackberry cobbler, you know, I'm probably not going to stop in that moment except to say, thank you, Lord. There's some things I don't think you have to just stop and, and, you know, and pray about every little thing. But what about your education? Say you're a young person. You're thinking about education. You're thinking about what you're going to do with your life. Should you be praying about that? Should you be asking God to lead you, to guide you, to show you what He wants for your life? Yeah, that's a no-brainer, isn't it? What about marriage? I mean, we've got a nice couple here ready, get married, excited, that's fun, it's awesome. But is that an area that we ought to ask God about? Is that an area we ought to be praying about? Well, I promise you, there's some folks in this room who will say to you, absolutely yes. Yes. Both from those who had good experiences and those who've not. So, you know, there's some things that that I think we know. You know, we ought to be praying. Well, Lord, should I take this job? And I know sometimes we pray things like, Well, Lord, if you want me to do this, just open the door. Well, that's, that's okay, but, but what if somebody else just left the door open? Or what if somebody else came and opened the door? What if the devil opened that door? I think there's more to it than just saying, God, if you want me to do this, then, you know. I think that we need to be 
uh, more careful about our decision making. We need to be taking it to the Lord in prayer. We need to be reading the Word to, to try to discern what He's saying to us. We need to be listening to the wise counsel of other believers who've already walked through some of those paths and who have some guidance who can help you with some of those things. Boy, there's some great wisdom. And God's blessed us. He's, he's given us um, some, you know, some great stuff. I walked up to a group of older guys the other day and I said, well, this must be where all the wisdom is, is stored. And they said, no, we're just a bunch of smart alecks. But hopefully this group is not like that. We, we, we will genuinely have some real wisdom in the room, Billy. Amen? Well, God is able to speak to you. And He's able to speak to you through prayer. He's able to speak through the Word. He's able to speak through other believers. And He's even able to speak through the circumstances of your life. Isn't that what we learned in Henry Blackaby's Experiencing God study? Well, I've been referencing that a lot lately. It just keeps coming back to me. Uh, because God impacted my life so much through that. But, but all those things, if you take those four things, the Scripture, the, the Word of God, uh, the witness of other believers, and the circumstances of your life, well, those are all ways that God can speak to you. But here's one key, is that when those things are, are, when God is speaking to you through those things, those four things will all line up. And they will all say the same thing. You will not have the Word telling you one thing and and Christian godly leaders that you respect, uh, elders that you respect, people that you know have wisdom telling you something else. The Holy Spirit is not going to be contradicting Himself. He will say the same thing to you, and if you're seeking Him, you will find Him. If you are absolutely setting your heart on seeking Him, He will guide you, He will direct you, He will help you to know, He will give you clarity. And until He does, you need to back up. Until He speaks to you and shows you what you need to do to do the will of God, you need to back up and say, okay, Lord, I'm waiting on you. I'm not sure what you're saying. Lord, speak to me. Show me what you want. And then give me grace and the ability to do what you want, to obey you. Well, so, you know, we have a lot of things that we're thinking about. We, we have education. We have vocations. We have uh, retirement. Some of us are... You know, thinking about when we're 85 or something, you know, we're going to retire. Um, although, someone told me this the other day, and I think it's true. There's no retirement from God's work. Just don't even, don't even let that thinking seep into your walk with Christ. There's no retirement. As long as you're able... Uh, serve the Lord. Do whatever He gives you to do and, and do it gladly. Well, um, you know, what about marriage? What about having children? Um, what about all these decisions that we're going to be making? Should we be seeking the Lord? Should we be asking God? Yes. You know, part of the problem is here that if I'm making the decision, if I'm deciding, number one, I don't know all the facts. I don't. I can't. And neither can you. We're limited. Even if we pool our knowledge, we are still limited. Even if we go to the finest libraries in the world and we visit with and talk with the finest minds anywhere, we're still limited. 
We need God's guidance. God has all knowledge. He has all understanding. And so I want to encourage you that as we think about this this whole issue, he says, um, you know, we say, well, tomorrow we're going to go in the city. We're going to make these plans. We're going to do all this stuff. We're going to establish business. We're going to make a profit here. We're going to do all this. Well, any plan that you or I make without God is foolish. When I was in college, uh, kind of an interesting set of circumstances, but I found myself without a job as I was getting close to graduating college and and uh, worked a few different things, but I found myself without a job. And the Lord provided with some different ways, you know, during that time. But when I finished, I was given an opportunity to go to work with a, a friend of mine in Springdale. He was uh, starting a a uh, a business selling hardwood lumber and you know doors and windows, trim that kind of thing. And so I went to work for him. Well, he had a partner. And my friend and his partner did not see eye to eye, spiritually or in business, and how they conducted business, kinds of things they were going to do. And I can remember they would spend sometimes hours in that office talking and arguing and debating and, and trying to work through some of the issues that they had. And I can't speak, I mean, my friend was a, a believer in the Lord Jesus. Uh, and I can't speak to his process of coming to, to do this business, but I do know he was unequally yoked in that business with an unbeliever. And taking a business partner who is an unbeliever is very unwise. It is very unwise because you are yoking yourself to someone. And so... Um, the end result of that was that after six months of working with him, I was looking for another job because their business went out of business. It went under. It could not last, and it did not. No surprises there, really. But folks, when you make God the center of your life, when you put Him at the center and you seek to honor Him in everything you do, even in the smallest things. I promise you, He will bless that. He will honor that. He will honor your marriage. When you put Christ at the center of your marriage, when you put Christ at the center of your family, and your children never get up and look at you and, and say, Dad, are we going to church today? I'm sorry. That's a question that should have to be asked. It should be like, hey, it's Sunday, church day. What do you want me to wear, Mom? You know, it should be an automatic. And I want to encourage you to put Christ at the center of your life and of your family, your marriage, your business. You say, well, but I don't know, you know, you you gotta you gotta get ahead in this world. You you gotta compete. You know, some there's some mean people out there and well. I understand what you're saying. I just disagree with it. Because I believe that God is able to bless you far more when you honor Him in your work 
practices or in your business, in the way you uh, manage people or in the way that you uh, work under somebody. I believe God is able to bless you far more and help you to do a good job and to, to have your needs met through that than if you get out there in your flesh and you make a bunch of promises that you can't keep and you say a bunch of stuff and you do a bunch of stuff that isn't right. You cut corners and you, you, uh, you know, look, that's a, that is a problem when Christianity is not at the center of our life and everything is not revolving around Jesus Christ in our life. We're going to have problems and as a society today, that's where we are. Christ is present, but He's way out on the fringe. He's way on the outside. And everything is revolving around money. It's revolving around power. It's revolving around status. It's revolving around something besides the Lord Jesus. We need to put Him back. We need to put Him back. And you say, well, I just don't know if you can do that today. Tell that to the folks who, who built their store, Hobby Lobby and Mardell's. Christian stores and have experienced incredible success doing it God's way. Closed on Sunday. Tell that to Chick-fil-A when you go up there today to have lunch and you notice their restaurant is closed, not open. And then you go there on a regular day of the week and they're lined up two lanes all the way around the restaurant to buy their food because they have good service typically, they have good food typically, and I'm not advertising for them, but I'm just saying they're killing it in the, in the retail fast food world. Chick-fil-A is killing it. Why? Because they set out years ago to honor God in what they did, and they're doing it. And God's blessed it. And God's using it. And it's not about, you know... It's just simple things. They're trying to treat people well. They're trying to take care of their people. And, and the, you know, some of you ladies are studying about the Sabbath and about the idea of rest and of margin. And, and they've put that into practice. They've built that into the lives of their people with a day off. And nobody works on that day. Wouldn't it be a blessing if we all had to go home and cook lunch today for Dad? We couldn't take him to any restaurant. Because I promise you, everyone you go to, there's somebody in there that would like to be home with their family today and can't be. Now, I'm not condemning you for going to a restaurant. I've gone to a restaurant on Sunday. Uh, but as a, as a general rule, we, we, don't, we don't go unless we just you know, have something special going or uh, need to. But I just want to say, when we honor the Lord, He will honor us. When you put Him first, He will lift you up. When you humble yourself and you acknowledge that you're not the center of your universe, I mean, when you get over your toddler stage and you admit and say, God, I need you every moment of every day, then God's going to do some great things in your life. But here's the, here's the, the danger. Notice this variable. Because he says in verse 14, he says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. He says, look, you don't know what's coming. How are you going to make your plans? You don't know what's going to happen. We don't any of us. We don't know what our life's going to look like 15 minutes from now. We don't know. We can't know that. No one can. That's why we need the Lord. That's why we need the Lord's presence. That's why we need His help. 
So don't boast about tomorrow, for you don't know what a day might bring. Proverbs 17, 20, or 27, 1. And then he asked this question. He says, what is your life? And that's a good question, isn't it? I mean, let that sink in just, a, just you know, this deep. For what is your life? What is your life? What is it? Well, he gives us one answer right here. He says, it is even a vapor. It's a little puff of smoke, of mist. And it appears... And then it vanishes. It's gone. And he says, that's like your life. Folks, in that sense, our lives are temporary. We're not here for uh, ever. And we don't know. You know, a year from now, this same group gets together. Well, somebody may be gone. We don't know that. We don't know. Next week, someone could be gone. We could all be gone. We don't know what a day is going to bring. Well, when you're walking with the Lord, that's not a problem and you don't have to worry about it. All right, so here we go. Let's, let's bring this thing, wrap this thing together now. Um, James says uh, there's a right way to go about our lives. And he says if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. So everything is conditional on the will of God. It all depends on the will of God for your life, for my life. So, I think we need to ask this morning, are we willing? Are you willing? Am I willing to submit to the will of God? You know, Jesus is our example. When Jesus came to the Garden of Gethsemane, He prayed an agonizing, heart-wrenching prayer there. And He said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from Me. If there's any other way to save Jojo and Natalie. And Jeremiah. If there's any other way, God, let this pass. Because I'm going to tell you, the cross is the most agonizing, daunting thing that could have faced anyone. And it wasn't simply about the physical pain, the torture, the... The, the agony of being nailed, of the scourging, of the crown of thorns, of, of all that, the abuse, the embarrassment, the, all that. No, it was having the sins of mankind placed upon Him. It was bearing my sins and your sins to the cross, dying for our sins with that weight, with that guilt, with that agony of, of knowing all those ugly, hurtful, spiteful, mean vindictive things that you or I have said or done ever, He carried them all to the cross and He paid for them. And so when He prayed and He said, Father, if there's any way, if it's possible, let this cup pass from Me. But then He said those words, but Father, not what I want, not My will, but Thy will be done. Well, He is our example and uh, nothing we face is going to be as difficult as that moment. I promise you that. But even in that, the Bible says in Hebrews 12 that for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame. And He did that because He loves you and me. Well, we need to humble ourselves. You know, Jesus gave us one example of someone who, who didn't handle 
his life very well. Let me just give you the, the rundown. It's in Luke 12. But he was speaking about a man there that um, was a rich man. And it said that his, his uh, grounds brought forth plenteously. He had a great harvest. And he thought within himself, he said, what shall I do? Because I have no room for to put my crops. I'm going to have to do something here. He said, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. And I'll build bigger barns. Mega barns. What a plan. He said, this is going to be great. I'll make the, the front page of Farmers Weekly with this one. I'm going to be known everywhere. I've got my plan. I've got everything lined out. This is what, it, man, this is going to be great. Except for one slight little problem that he didn't recognize. And that is that God spoke to him and said, You fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then, whose will all these things be? Folks, we need to come to the place of realizing that without Christ at the center, uh, our lives are going to be really wobbly. We're going to wobble. I mean, we're going to have trouble. We're going to fall. We're going to stumble. So, here we go. James gives us in this passage three sins. And I want to list off three sins that he shows us. And then, then he shows us... Uh, the key to doing this the right way. The first sin is the sin of presumption. The sin of presumption. That is to say, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go here. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have this. Uh, I'm going to buy this house. I'm going to get this job. I'm going to uh, pursue this as a vocation. Whatever. But not recognizing God's part, God's purpose, God's plan in all of it. Folks, that is a sin of presumption, and it's wrong. But the second is a sin of boasting. We really haven't touched on this, but notice verse 16. He said, but now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. And the word that, that is used along with this here, um, it, it, it literally has the idea of um, someone who wonders about making promises but cannot fulfill them. It's sort of the picture of a snake oil salesman. You know, in the, in, the, in the old days of our country, they used to have people going around selling. You know, thankfully we don't have uh, Billy Mays or anybody like that today selling things that can't deliver. Well, um, that's the very word, that's the very idea of this, is that this boasting, look, it's, it's all about us. And guess what? We can't even deliver what... We promise. But the third sin is the sin of omission. Notice this in the text. Verse 17 says, Therefore to him who knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now I could go through and I could list off a whole list of sins this morning and try to come across the one you're dealing with. But I would suggest that more than likely, most every one of us are dealing with the sin of omission. There's some things that we have omitted from our walk. 
there's some things we've neglected. We've just not done. And the Bible says if you know to do right and you don't do it, it's a sin. And the Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. I want to encourage you this morning. Uh, and, and you say, well, boy, preacher, that's, that's kind of rough. That's, that's, that's hard. Uh, yes, if, yes and no. If you're focusing on Jesus, what He did for you at the cross, then this is not rough at all. If you're focusing on Christ, I promise you, this is no big deal. But here's what James gives us. Notice verse 15. Here's the key to living the will of God. Verse 15 says, For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Now, I've heard that expression and used it. You know, Lord willing, and the creeks don't rise. I'll be there, you know, or whatever. Well, uh, we need to amend that. Just say, Lord willing. If God is willing, then I will go to school next year and study, you know, for this or that. If God is willing, we're going to join our lives together. We're going to begin to honor the Lord Jesus in our daily walk in marriage. If God is willing, I'm going to take this job. If He is willing. But it's about the will of God. And when you recognize it, you're doing away with the sin of presumption. You're doing away with the sin of presumption. It's not even an issue. And when you recognize the will of God, you're going to do away with the sin of boasting. Because you're going to know it's about Him and it's not about you. And you're going to do away with the sin of omission. Because you're going to be doing what you you want to do. Well, the Latin phrase there is Deo Valente. God willing. God willing. We need to be so focused on the will of God. You say, well, but sometimes it's hard to know what God wants. Well, it is hard sometimes. But God is able to guide us. God is able to give us what we need. And, uh, and He will do that because He loves you. You know, I'm looking at Jordan holding a precious little little boy in his lap. And I, I pretty well know, without ever asking Jordan or talking to him about it, I pretty well know that he loves his son in a way that he would do anything, everything for him. And he will lead him and he will guide him and he will help him to be the young man that God wants him to be. He, you know, that's going to be... Uh, That's going to be true because God has put a love in Jordan's heart. But the love that's there is just a reflection of the the Father's love for us. And if God loves us with that kind of love, do you not think He wants us to know His will? To know what He wants for us and has for us? I think He absolutely does. And just as we for our children, we want them to understand We want them to know our Father wants that even more for us. Well, let's ask Him. Where you're you're looking at decisions, you're trying to figure out things, ask, ask. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. When you seek Him with all your heart, you will find Him. That's the promise from God's Word. Well, let's, let's close in prayer. Let's bow together.
Father, in this moment, Lord, we just know that our lives are full of contradictions and questions and things that are confusing sometimes. Sometimes we allow things to enter in and hinder us in our, in our walk because we're not listening. Father, would you enable us and allow us this morning to listen to the voice of your Spirit. Lord, help us not to say if, if, that we're going to make plans, we're going to do this and that the other. But God, help us to say, Oh Lord, if you are willing, Father, help us to humble ourselves today. Help us to acknowledge that we need you more than we need anything in life. We need you. And Father, I pray for young people today as they look, think about decisions for life or education or college or, or jobs or marriage or, or any of those things. I pray for young couples as they consider the place that they are and what they need and where they're going and what You have for them. Father, I pray You'd lead them and guide them. And Father, I believe that's not a mysterious process that You've hidden from us, God. It's something that You want us to have and You will give us. And so, Father, we come to You today as Your children. We ask You to lead us and guide us. Lord, there's some older adults in here today who need Your wisdom and Your help with issues that they're facing in life. And God, there's no part of life that isn't full of questions and, and decisions and needs. And so, Father, we bow ourselves before You today as a, as a people who are broken, a people in need. And God, we ask You today to lead us and guide us. Fill us, Lord Jesus, with Your power. Fill us today with Your presence. Fill us today with all that You are, Lord, so that we can walk in faith and obedience before You. Father, today, if there are those who have some specific need in their heart, God, would You help them? Lord, if there's a dad who's just struggling with being the kind of dad that You've called him to be, Father, would You give him grace? Would You give him strength to be a godly man? Would You lead him in that path and would You help him to start today, right now? And Father, if there's even one today who's never been saved and never trusted You as their Lord and Savior, would You... Help them, even right now, to turn to You in repentance and in faith and to trust You.